Hey, thanks for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We appreciate the support as always. In case you missed it, we have a newsletter coming out this August. And it's written by our resident funny man, so you know it's going to be fun and engaging. Justin, tell us more about it. Thanks, Nee. In this letter, I tell you everything you need to know about last week's episode in the rundown section, included with links from Tuesday and Friday's episode, another section of what to come, and my favorite part is the media fun stuff. In that, I tell you which movies you could watch on various streaming platforms if you liked what we had to talk about. Listen, fans, because no sport is left behind, it's important to know what's been happening with the Pro Sports Podcasters. By signing up for the weekly newsletter, we will have you front row center for every interview and analytic discussion. So do yourself a favor and sign up. The link is in the show notes. Be part of the conversation and enjoy some of the fun. Once again, we thank you for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. Welcome all sports fans. On this podcast, no sport is left behind. I'm Justin Williams. I'm Cabrera Ron, and this is our brother from Down Under, me Wallace Bruce. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, filling you in on the latest news from the world of sports. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I am joined by Mr. JW, Justin Williams. Mate, how you doing? Living the dream in yourself. I'm good. Yeah, it is dreamy out here in North America during the summer. Now, joining us is a guest who we first spoke to when she was in Vancouver. She's now back in Montreal, but she took a... The long way around, because she went to Tokyo. <laughs> that small thing called the Summer Olympics. She was part of the Canadian artistic swimming team. And we're going to get into her experience there with the team and more. It is Jacqueline Simino. Jacqueline, how are you doing? Welcome back. Good, thanks. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Well, great. And I must ask, how's your sleep patterns now that you're Oof. back in Montreal? Uh, the the jet lag is real. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's easier when you're training for jet lag, but when you come back and you're on vacation, oh boy, is it rough. <laughs> yep, yep. I can only imagine the feeling tired during the day, and then you're probably waking up in the middle of the night now. So it's, it's going to be an adjustment. Yeah, that's for sure. But melatonin, it's a great thing. <laughs> it helps with sleep patterns, at least. Yeah, I've it heard does. That- I've heard that blueberries are a good source of melatonin. Oh, interesting. You know, I might try that out. So as a huge fan of blueberries, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, I love blueberry pie. I have blueberry hot sauce and I currently am sipping on blueberry tea. Oh, wow. I did not know that. It is the best fruit to ever grace this planet. It is very underrated. And I also have blueberry mints in my bag because they are amazing. And I agree with the melatonin. They will knock you out if you have enough. Damn. Mama said, knock you out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with the bloobs. That's right. They'll knock you out. Now, it was a whirlwind trip, Jacqueline, but has it sunk in? Has it, is it real to you, that what, what transpired over the last fortnight or so? Honestly, no. I don't, I don't think it's hit me yet. You know, my first Olympic Games in Rio, it hit me as soon as I got there. 
you've seen the Olympic rings and everything, but now being a two-time Olympian and coming back home, it just feels like my, you know, my two feet are back on the ground. I'm, I'm back to my usual schedule. And I, I'm hoping at one point, you know, this will hold this thing in, but it, it hasn't yet. Yeah. And it's, I mean, anyone who gets the Olympics, in my opinion, they're in the 1% or the 0.5%. That's, that's a heck of an achievement. There aren't many of us around the world that can say that we've done that. I certainly can't. But not only did you go to the Olympics, but you also set a new mark for the Canadian artistic swimming team with uh, your partner in the finish. T- talk us through that, the, the duet competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we placed fifth. Um, and honestly, we didn't care too much about the ranking, but we, we got personal best scores, mm. competition after competition. So I competed five times at the Olympics. And every single time I kept on getting personal best scores. Uh, I don't think you could ask for better, honestly, <laughs> um, to be able to beat your own personal best scores every single time. And this is the best result Canada has had in many years, actually, since the London Olympic Games. So it was just, I was incredibly pleased to end it on that note. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was following that event. And when I saw that artistic swimming was on, I okay, I need to see how our girl Jacqueline's doing. So it was very good to see that result and the personal best. So congratulations to you and your partner on that. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for following. That's all right. Yeah, it was a spectacular event to watch. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of humble bragging about you to people. I'm like, Yo, two- <laughs> I'm like two-time Olympian, personal Canadian best coming on my show. What's up? And they're like, and my buddy was just like, oh, awesome. Like, it's synchronized swimming. I'm like, hey, hey, it's artistic swimming. Get with it. Yep, you know what's up. <laughs> exactly right. And up is your rankings. Man, you could killing it. I'm so excited. And I was like, yo, I was cheering as if you won. Like, I'm not gonna lie. And Honestly, as, it felt like as if we did. <laughs> you basically did. You say your own personal record five times. You're like Booker T, the five time champion. You should be going to schools giving speeches after this podcast. Is what you should be doing. <laughs> I actually already have a few lined up, so I'm looking forward See? to sharing my stories with a bunch of kids. I would love to be one of those kids you share that story to. <laughs> yeah, you can call me up. Passed. I'll give a conference anytime. Oh, please do. I mean, I feel like you are right now, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was going through your head when you had already set the first four PRs? Like, I know myself, I'm a competitive uh, individual, if you will. And when it came to anything I was about to do where I knew I could almost break my PR, I got more nervous on the last one than I did any other one. Yeah, so that, that's really interesting that you shared that because I'm not a nervous person in life. I'm, I'm never nervous for the Olympic Games, you know, biggest competition in the entire world. No, no stress, you know, not even butterflies in my tummy. But that, that fifth performance, I'm not going to lie. My, my partner and I looked at each other right before going out and swimming. And we didn't say anything that we were, that we were nervous, but we, we both had you know those butterflies and we're, we're a little nervous because we had that pressure on ourselves not only to defend our fifth ranking um but also to say are, are we gonna you know outscore ourselves again are we gonna underscore are we like that you know all we control is the performance but your mind can't help itself but to just wonder you know what what's gonna happen what the outcome is gonna be in that stressed us out a little bit so we just kept on telling us you know stay calm you know breathe <laughs> concentrate on what the task at hand but we both were a little nervous and after finishing the swim my my duet partner claudia was like holy crap man i was gonna shit myself before going damn that's some behind the scenes pull the curtain back a little bit 
<laughs> I mean, I looked, I saw you guys, and I'm like, they don't look nervous at all. I'm more nervous interviewing you than being at the Olympics, <laughs> which is probably why you're at the Olympics <laughs> and I'm not. You know, part of our job is to hide that too, right? Because it is a judge sport and there is an artistic component to it. You don't want to portray to the judges that you're nervous. You want to portray Correct. confidence and that you you trained for your routine and you're confident in what you're going to show them. So we're we're kind of masters at hiding that, I guess you could say. So wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Athletes are professional liars is what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say professional liars. You know, artistic sports have to be good <laughs> actors. <laughs> there you go. So you're going to go into acting after this. <laughs> it's not part of my career plan. Um, but you know what? I'm always keeping my options off open. Honestly, That's fantastic. Yeah. I can see that. Like when you mentioned yeah. the, the confidence and keeping the straight face, if you will, or the the confident face, I thought, hmm, that's something that we have to do in the acting world. That's what we have to do at auditions. We have to show that we have to roll down, that we, we understand the character. Justin, you know this yeah. probably better than I do nowadays with the stuff that you're doing. Um, oh, I appreciate that. But, yeah, I, Jacqueline, have you considered doing like stunt work, like water-based work? You'd be dominant in that. You know what? That'd be that'd be fun to explore. Like I said, I got to keep my options open, and that 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 actually sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I would recommend it because we interviewed a artistic gymnastic artistic gymnast who represented Jamaica at Tokyo, and she was doing stunt work while she was at UCLA. She did. Oh. She actually jumped into a car in one of Rita Ora's performances. Wow! So there is some crossover between the. I guess the artistic athletics and the entertainment world. You mentioned before that you don't you don't get nervous for the Olympics, which is great, and you can't be nervous in your event because that might show, and you lose points. We don't want to see that. That might come from your favorite motto, which I believe you can confirm or deny, but I believe it's mensana in corpresano. So for our friends who don't speak Latin, that is <laughs> a sound mind in a sound body. Is that mm-hmm. first? Is that your favorite motto? It really is. Yeah. Right. And I guess, how did that become your favorite motto? What's, what does that mean to you? So I only heard about this motto after coming home from the Rio Olympics, because the Rio Olympics were a little bit later on in the summer than Tokyo. And it overlapped with the beginning of my school session. And I remember emailing my teachers saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to miss the first couple of classes. You know, please forward me whatever work I could do to start getting ahead. And my physics teacher answered me and said, I have absolutely no doubt that you're going to be able to excel in this class. And then he goes on to tell me this quote, you know, a sound mind and a sound body. And that, that really spoke to me because, you know, he said, if I was able to excel on, on this level in athletics, well, it directly translate to my studies. And you know what? I, before that, I never looked at it that way before. And only after the Rio Olympics did I truly transfer everything that I learned in the world of sport into my studies and that's all thanks to you know this one quote that a physics teacher told me back in the day amazing shout out to physics and speaking of physics the man justin who's on the other side he loves physics he's a um in from the engineering world don't you justin oh my god i love physics so much 2d 3d what you want to talk about (laughs) that's so neat Uh, no, have you ever studied at an engineering level? It's not fun. It makes you cry and sad in your happy place. 
I, I know a couple yeah. of engineers and some some athletes, and they <laughs> they're doing their masters now in engineering, and they say it's it's quite the course load. Oh, do they hate themselves? Like I dropped, like I finished <laughs> engineering, and then I was like, forget this, I'm going to be a comedian, and then I ended up joining <laughs> podcasting. So, but it's funny when you talk about nerves. Like I have the benefit of being a comedian and getting on stage and being like, I am nervous, and for some reason that translates well, and it's like, all right, cool. But you can't go to the Olympics and be like, hi, judges. Uh, I'm nervous. Uh, you shall continue. <laughs> Just, yeah. Because that's where you're a better actor than I am. But we were talking about quotes and something my uh, – so I took martial arts for 14 years. And I ended up getting my black belt in Goju. And we had this quote that my sensei always had in his door. And it's from Muhammad Ali. And it said, I hated every minute of training. But I said, don't quit. Suffer now. And live the rest of your life as a champion. Wow. I, I like that. With your work ethic, your load, and just how you are as a person, there is no doubt in my mind, in the listeners' minds, in Nee's mind, that the podium is yours the next Olympics. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much for saying that. My pleasure. And now Nee also has a gambling addiction. So if we could, we would bet on you <laughs> like right now. <laughs> now, Justin, I don't think the market is opened off of Paris 2024. But Jacqueline, do you see yourself at Paris 2024? You know what? So much has gone on um, this past Olympic quad and not even a quad because it extended the year um, that I don't know yet. Uh, I think I'm just going to spend the time to you know, decompress a little bit, spend time with my friends and family, and then revisit the next Olympics and, and that idea of it um, in a couple of weeks. But right now I'm just trying to enjoy the little moments of vacation that I have without trying to worry about what comes next. Yeah, that's fair enough. Now, staying in the vein of vacation, I ha- had a little bird tell me that you actually like to eat a piece of chocolate before your performance. Is this true? Oh, Yes. And uh, let me tell you this, at the Olympics, it was no longer a piece of chocolate. It ended up being like a big <laughs> bar of chocolate before every swim, every day. That was my staple. There we go. So did you get into the Japanese chocolate? Yes. So at the cafeteria there, unfortunately, we weren't allowed to leave the Olympic Village, but I already knew which chocolate I wanted from Japan because it was already my Japanese staple. <laughs> and it's this chocolate called Meji chocolate, yes. M-E-J-I. You guys are going to yes. Yep. Yeah. And I'm a milk chocolate girl, so um, it was a bar of milk chocolate. And once I ran out of the Meji ones, then I went on to Arrow Mint and then Cadbury milk chocolate. But that's my Japanese staple. Did you ever try the Ghana brand? I think it's made by Lottie. Yes, I think I had a red packaging. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm biased. My parents come from Ghana, so I had to ask because Ghana is the home of a significant amount of the world's cocoa, so some of the best chocolate does originate from Ghana. In saying that, though, take us through the performance side of artistic swimming because it looks so graceful and, I guess, elegant on the screen, but I'm sure there's so much going on physically, like not only just in terms of the way you have to be balanced and go through your uh, rotations, but also even just techniques, how do you put all that together? Oh, yeah, there, there's so much that goes into it. So a lot of people in our sport, at least in, in the Canadian side, we tend to do a lot of sports before we start artistic swimming, uh, like running, swimming, diving, you get the anaerobics done, and then 
some weight training and whatnot, because you need a sense of flexibility, yet also strength. And a good way to describe it is kind of like running, I don't know, 400 and 800 meter sprint while holding your breath, because that anaerobic side is kicking in, you have all this lactic acid in your body, and you never stop moving, you're constantly either moving your legs when your arms are up, or your arms when you're, you're upside down with your legs up. And one thing that was neat about this Tokyo Games is that they showed part of the underwater camera. So you could kind of get a sense of, you know, what we do underwater because most people don't know that we obviously don't push off the bottom of the pool. So you're constantly supporting yourself while holding your breath. And it's, you know, it, it's quite tricky. Some people have, have trouble just holding themselves upside down. So I think once people try it, they, they gain a little bit more respect for, for the sport. I could not agree more because <laughs> I'm sure with with the Olympics comes with it the <laughs> the peanut gallery or those that you know sit on the couch and there. I'd love to see some of those people. I'd love to see that before the Olympics, like the the every person game. So all these people that think these sports are so easy, just get them in said sport and be like, okay, off you go, go and do it, and then they see how hard it is and they maybe have a bit more appreciation for what goes on. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. The every person games, just for Paris 2024, I could see some dude or some, some person like trying to run 10,000 meters. May not go down too well. Let me, uh, let me capitalize on that idea. We should have a draft system, almost like the army. But in this case, or like jury duty, but you just get pulled. So it's like, oh, knee, you've been drafted to the everyday games. And you must attend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, uh, so it's a complete random pool. You'll have some athletic people. You'll have some couch potatoes. And then you'll have some in-betweens. And you're like, all right, cool. And be like, all right, now you guys have to dive off this board that you've never done before. Yeah, it's 30 feet. Don't belly flop. And then we record it, make millions of dollars. And I feel like Budweiser, for some reason, would sponsor this mess. I don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. why. <laughs> they just, they're everywhere. <laughs> they're like, tragedy. <laughs> Count us in. <laughs> Moving forward to a serious question now. When you're all said and done and you hang up the artistic wardrobe, makeup, and I don't even know, <laughs> whatever you hang up for this significant... Bathing suit, would, I guess, in this case. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and I guess the... I don't even know. Caps. Moving forward. Eventually, it'll be your Olympic <laughs> medals. When you hang it up, would you ever go teach artistic swimming? I don't think I, I see myself being a full-time coach. However, I, I definitely see myself still being involved with a sport. Um, okay. For instance, next week, I'm giving a camp in, in Mexico. Uh, where a bunch of athletes are flying in from around the world and I'm going to teach them some techniques and whatnot. And I've been doing this for the past couple of years in different countries. And I absolutely love doing that because I get to meet you know, the next generation of athletes, not only from Canada, but from all around the world. And I get to share a little bit of my knowledge with them. And I hope that that carries on to the future generations of the sport. And that's what I hope to give back and continue to give back. Can we just appreciate that you came back from Tokyo and you're like, I want to hang out with my friends for a little bit. And you're like, oh, by the way, I'm going to Mexico in a week. So friends, <laughs> TikTok, let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, there's a time crunch here. I was going to say, because, you know, if you ever wanted to practice, I mean, me and myself are horrible swimmers and we would love to artistically drown in front of you. <laughs> artistically drown. <laughs> we would do it with style. <laughs> exactly. Just like one hand up as we're both submerged. That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll, I'll teach you guys some grace while you're at it yeah. too. Thank you. And then as we like our bodies come up like just floating to the top, some judge gives us 10 out of 10. Singing like, gracefully. Yes. <laughs> Goes very well with the uh, everyday Olympics or whatever. Every person, whatever you said. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the everyday Olympics. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, this is why we cannot be together because we can't tell time and we have horrible ideas. <laughs> <laughs> good intention, good intentions, bad ideas. Exactly. The name of my comedy album. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. You're also in medical school, right? At Vanya? Is that right? Uh, so I graduated in health sciences at Vanya, but I'll be beginning uh, my studies in podiatric medicine this coming fall, actually. You don't have a spare moment, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep busy, I'm going to say. I like that energy. I'm, I'm here for that. So we're in, I guess, the most challenging health situation globally in the last hundred or so years. How important is it for you to give back to the community through health? Uh, it's, it's incredibly important, uh, not only in light of the pandemic, and uh, we've clearly been able to see that the healthcare system definitely needs more personnel, especially in the province of Quebec. For then, since we're in, in, in lack of doctors, we're in need of hundreds of medical personnel. I'm very fortunate to be a part of that and hopefully help solve some of these issues that we're facing. But also just as a kid growing up, I had celiac disease and it took them four years to diagnose me. So I, I spent a lot of my time in the children's hospital pretty much growing up for four years. And I knew right then and there that I wanted to work in that, that field because the doctors, the nurses, and all the medical professionals had such a great impact on me. Not only because they were able to help me, but because they were able to help all the other patients that were surrounding me in the hospital and, and make a difference in their lives. And I, I would just be so honored if I could make one small difference in someone's life in the future once I get my degree. Well, you say that, but I'm willing to stop and correct you and say you've possibly already made a difference in people's lives because I know you're a part of Fast and Female. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your involvement with that. Yes. So I've been involved with Fast and Female since the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. And they're an amazing organization because they've done a bunch of research uh, along with the government of Canada. And they've shown that teenage girls actually have a higher dropout rate in sports than teenage boys. And I know firsthand from, from being an Olympian that you could take back so much from sport, you know, the work ethic skills to communication to teamwork, all these things you could transfer onto your everyday life. And so since we've noticed this huge decline in females dropping out of sport, we decided, well, hey, let's, let's do something about it. And so I'm fortunate enough to be one of the ambassadors for the organization and, and volunteer at these events where we kind of post, you know, fun days for girls to just play around in sports, connect with other people in their community, and kind of just raise awareness for all of these key things that you learned from sport and how you could transfer them on later on. And we hope to encourage them to stay in, in sport a little bit longer in their lives. Yeah, and that's a really important point that you raise because if you just look at the last games that just finished summer summer games the u.s and canada both the medals were dominated by women right yeah if you don't have women it's it's going to be a struggle for your country if you don't have female athletes competing because whether we like it or not there are still a few countries out there where that's not really a thing but my mm -hmm. point is that i feel like and from I guess what I've learned in the last six to 12 months is that despite the achievements of the last games, I feel like with a little bit more funding on the women's side, that result could have been even, even greater. And now I'm not saying it's one particular sport as opposed to another, 
I haven't dug deep in, enough into that, but I do feel like a little bit more funding for the women, and that result goes to an even no, a next level for the nation. It's interesting that you say that because I had a great discussion with a, a mental performance coach on the airport in Tokyo, and she was kind of analyzing the whole situation and kind of saw you know the countries and the programs which invested in sport, not only in people who, who rank in the top five or top ten, but who invest into building a pool of athletes, mm. you know, not just one gender, but both genders. And those countries and those programs are actually ending up producing the most results. So at the end of the day, you're kind of in that fine line of how do you balance this funding throughout all these sporting federations and balance it between the genders? Do you favor sports and federations who bring back medals or do you try and build from the ground up? And I guess it's, it's that fine line. So it's, it's interesting that you bring that point up because I think a lot of Olympic committees across the world are, are struggling to find you know, the balance and what works best for their country. Yeah, for sure. And I guess talking from my own experience, I grew up in Australia, as you may have guessed from the accent. I'm not Canadian. <laughs> but I know previously there was, I guess, the medal focus, right? So the investment went into medals. Mm-hmm. And then I think after Sydney, I don't know which Olympics where it started or which cycle where it started, but there was more of a push towards grassroots. So in conjunction with getting elite athletes, there was also a push to uh, advocate for healthy lifestyle. So even if Johnny or Jill child in Australia wasn't going to compete in the Olympics, as long as they were developing healthy habits and getting into sport, there's a social benefit there because they're playing sport, they're playing with other people, and also it'll be less of a burden on the health system, you would think. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point you raise because healthy lifestyles are just as important as doing well in sports uh, on the global scale. I almost feel bad for those people who don't go into sports almost willingly. You know, if for whatever reason financially you can't, my heart breaks for you still. The camaraderie and just everything that comes from sports, the life lessons that it teaches you about, you know, taking defeats but learning from them. You know what I mean? It's so important, crucial, and needed. And, you know, if they still have a pulse of that ignorance, tell them to join a physics class and they'll learn real quick. That's not the case. Because <laughs> physics is basically, you're always wrong. You love it. <laughs> just math numbers and you're always wrong. Moving forward. So I just found your Twitter, which uh, is a very unique thing to, to kind of go through. I just followed you, by the way. Just heads up oh thank you i'm gonna give you a follow back then at jackie underscore simono for those listening oh or you can just steal what i was gonna say but thanks thanks it's all good you're welcome i got you you're my artistic thief person (laughs) i was gonna go a lot better than that but sure you are my artistic thief (laughs) thank you exactly style and profiling like what is next for you in the ways of the olympics world and of the athletic world that's a really good question. I'm I'm still trying to navigate, you know, what's next for me and seeing what's what's out there. What kind of attracted me to podiatric medicine is that in, in the Rio Olympic Games in 2016, they brought a podiatrist with them for the athletics team. And I was like, oh, cool. That's that's really neat. You know, there's a bunch of team docs. This this doc is actually specialized in helping specific athletes. And so I, I'd kind of like to see how my studies could kind of fit into my passion of sport, whether that be, you know, having my own sport clinic or working with the National Sport Institute here, or perhaps even returning to another Olympic Games as a medical personnel. 
and also maybe continuing, you know, these clinics and camps and teach more of the technical side of artistic swimming. But I'd like to be able to also transfer on this, this medical knowledge that I'll acquire in the next four years and be able to help athletes in the future with that. Yeah. I mean, that sounds very, again, noble of you. And that just seems to be your personality. You've always wanted to give back and always <laughs> wanted to help. So I feel like you're going to get paired up in the Olympics again, once you hang up your artistic swimming attire and you'll just be <laughs> at the Olympics. It's like, like an eight or, or somebody you'll be, I feel like you'll always be involved. And I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's an honor to speak with you because I feel like you are going to be a staple in Canadian culture, especially when it comes to artistic swimming. Like you have all that, you have all that vibe. And I just, I don't know. It's, 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 it's touching to know that you have, you're a two time like Olympian, but you're so humble about it. And you're always like, okay, cool. Yay for me. But also what can I do for you? And that's very <laughs> rare to find in somebody. So mm. thank you. That's awfully nice of you to say that. Oh, you're so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, did you collect a snow globe from Japan? I did. Yeah. Nice. Um, my first snow globe that I collected from Japan was in, in 2014 when I went to Osaka. But I've been to Japan several times now. But my favorite experience in Japan was in 2018 when I went for this project called the Kakehashi Project and where they sent 10 Canadians, you know, some students, some athletes, some you know, a bunch of people to Japan to just experience Japanese culture. And apparently they, they just do, they do this project every year, you know, COVID permitting. Mm. And I got to live with a Japanese family on a tea farm in Kyoto in the mountains in the middle of February and, you know, sleep on one of those tatami straw beds yes. where there's no heating. You know, I chopped up my own wood and that was just an incredible experience. And then, then there I had, to, I had to find a snow globe that kind of fit with my experience. And so I kind of found a snow globe with, Kyoto in it with some tea farms in the background and that snow globe represents that ex one of my favorite experiences in Japan. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's a great country and when when COVID permits, highly recommend that everyone who listens visits the country. It's beautiful culture and very unique. Mm -hmm. So I had noticed that you were at the Pan Am Games in 2015 and you took home gold. Yeah. What if I told you I was at the Pan Am Games with you? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I, I was part of Games News Service. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> we may have crossed paths then in person. That's so cool. Looking at this, I know we did. I don't know if I interviewed you, though, because I was in Mississauga, but I got called out down to um, RBC uh, Sports Center or whatever it was. Yeah. And they I, that day, I, I remember they had they had swimming, but I didn't. I don't know if I actually interviewed you. I interviewed a bunch of people. It's quite possible because when I looked at your Twitter profile, you looked um, familiar. So that's very possible. I'm terrible with names, but I'm pretty good with faces. And especially when I've seen people before. So you, you definitely look familiar. Thank you. I'm also terrible with names as well. Like after this, I'm going to forget you entirely until I see Twitter and be like, oh, yes, her. 100%. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about artistic swimming. And it, it's awesome to see the sport. I know it only comes around every four years, but I love seeing certain sports that are Olympic sports and I'd love to see more of it. I know there's the FINA championships every two to four years and then there's Pan yeah. American Games. There's actually every year. So it's funny that you oh, say every nice. four years because of a lot of Olympic amateur sports, they only get the visibility every four years, mm. my sport being one of them. And I completely get it. You know, it's not the most popular sport, but there's sports like field hockey or weightlifting and wrestling and stuff like that. And there's stuff that goes on year round. Like for, for myself, there's the FINA World Series 
that happen every single year, Pan Am Games. And it's like that for many other sports too. We just don't get as much visibility for say as, as hockey or soccer or football and some other stuff. But um, you definitely can follow it around year long. It's just a little bit more challenging than the Olympics. Right. I understand. And I guess you also answered my next question. So there is, there is a world league, the FINA world league. Does it go around to different cities and different sites? It does. Yeah. Um, it changes from year to year. However, you sometimes have some staples so that the French open, the French stop is usually in Paris. There's usually one in Tokyo and Budapest. You kind of get to travel around the world and then there's some spots that, that kind of change and, and go around. So it's, it's neat. You get to travel, experience different cultures at the same time and, and compete and do what you love. Beautiful. You are living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, a Canadian athlete, Olympian, two-time Olympian follows me on Twitter. I had to pinch myself. <laughs> I'm just saying. And I mean, Nish, you'd follow you on Twitter, but you don't. I don't do Twitter now. Sorry. Actually, not sorry. Sorry, not hashtag. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. What do you know about the Santiago uh, 2023 <laughs> Pen End Games? Is that something that's um, kind of issue on your radar or is that? No, definitely. If I, if I choose to continue for the next three years, uh, that would be our Olympic qualifier. So for us, how we qualify for the Olympics is that we have to win gold at the Pan American Games. That's our continental qualifier. If we don't win gold, that means we don't qualify. So I've been very lucky to be able to qualify two times in a row, and that would be potentially my Olympic qualifier. So you got to get the hat trick. you got to go three. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Jacqueline, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience before we let you go? No, thank you guys so much for your time. It was great chatting with you both. No worries. We really appreciate you coming on, especially straight after the games. It's, I know it's probably still sinking in and the, the jet lag might be a thing, but yeah, you're, you're always welcome back on here. So if, if you can't sleep during the night, get on to us and we might have another chat, maybe. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for the offer. <laughs> no worries. So you can find Jacqueline on Instagram in addition to Twitter at Jacqueline underscore Simino. So it's a wrap. Once again, thank you for listening to the show.